on Sunday night, we've been talking about uh, the questions of Gideon. That's a series of sermons. You know about Gideon in the Old Testament, the guy that laid out the fleece. And Gideon had a series of questions that uh, he said, uh, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, the Lord is with you. And he said, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles that our fathers have told us about? And why has the Lord abandoned us into the hands of our enemies? Well, those questions present uh, sort of, uh, Gideon's questions present his struggle with understanding the judgments of God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Because you see, there are two kinds of judgments. Uh, There's an end-time judgment. And then an end-time judgment. I-N, not E-N-D. There's an end-time judgment from God. And then there's an end-time judgment from God. End-time judgments come to us perhaps more than we realize. And so this morning, we're going to look at a passage from the Old Testament, one single verse, that was shared by the prophet Zephaniah. Uh, Zephaniah was a prophet during the time of Josiah the king of Judah. Josiah was a good king. They apparently were having revival during the reign of Josiah, uh, but God had marked Jerusalem for judgment. There was an end-time judgment that was coming on his people because of what you see in this verse, Zephaniah 1.12, and that's where we will begin as we read it together this morning. It says, It will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps, And I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit, who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. What does it mean for something to be stagnant? The title of the message this morning is stagnant in spirit. That's the phrase that Zephaniah uses. To my knowledge, it is the only time that particular phrase appears in Scripture Well, when we talk about something being stagnant, it means to be without motion, not flowing from lack of movement, and foul. A body of water can become stagnant when it loses connection from its source of supply. Water that was once clear and cool and fresh can become stagnant over time. What does it mean? to be stagnant in spirit. Well, first, it means it was not always so. For something to be stagnant, it had to at one time be fresh, a vibrancy existed. And so God told the prophet Jeremiah about two terrible sins his people had committed in Jeremiah's day, the same people, the people of Judah, He said, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewed for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So a person who is stagnant in spirit did not become that way overnight, but over time they forsook the Lord. They... uh, abandoned the fountain of living waters. They forsook his word. They forsook his house. And they turned to broken cisterns for refreshment. They found no refreshment there. 
and as a result, they became spiritually stagnant. It can happen to any one of us. It can happen to a whole church. Some of you already know that you're stagnant in spirit. You know it has happened to you because you are not the Christian that you once were, and you feel very much a sense of the Lord's displeasure with you for who you are and for what you've become. So this morning I'm going to ask that you ask the Lord to help you hear this message with an open heart, that you would come to understand why you are where you are, and ask the Lord to show you how you can once again be what God wants you to be. Now the good news for the person who's stagnant in spirit is that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord, but first the Lord must show you who you are, how you are, and how you got there. I want to suggest to you that there are four progressive stages in the life of a person who becomes stagnant in spirit. Four of them. The first one is satisfaction that leads to complacency. Satisfaction that leads to complacency. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means simply this. Uh, a person can have or have had at one time a significant spiritual experience. In other words, you can be saved, you can have a vibrant, uh, enthusiastic relationship with the Lord. I know many people who have experienced true revival. Uh, they walked close with the Lord, very close, but no more. They don't walk with him anymore. Consider the people of Israel that God redeemed from Egypt. Have you ever wondered how a people who had seen such a display of God's power could forsake the Lord and forsake him so quickly? He led them to the place of his presence. They saw his glory descend on Mount Sinai as the mountain uh, was covered with smoke and it shook and there was a trumpet blast from the mountain as Moses went up and God answered him with thunder. Uh, they saw God's glory. What a glorious experience. God was leading them to the promised land. But in the process, they became satisfied with the wilderness. Their hearts settled there. They had no desire to go any further with God. Some of you have experienced God's mighty power at work in and through your life. That was a past experience, but you don't experience that anymore. The day you became comfortable in your spiritual life, the day you sat back in your recliner and said, it is well with my soul, I've gone far enough, I don't need to grow anymore, I have all that I need, that is the day that complacency, complacency, something as simple as complacency, being comfortable, sets in, and that's the first stage of spiritual stagnation. Now, uh, what is that? It means I don't want to be stretched. It means I don't want to take a step of faith. I don't want to do anything but show up on Sunday. I want to listen to the pastor preach the sermon. I want to listen to the music. I, I don't even have the energy to sing anymore. I don't even have the energy to carry my Bible. Well, the Christian life is not about a destination. It's a journey. The moment you retire from the journey is the moment complacency sets in and spiritual stagnation begins. So stage one is satisfaction that leads to complacency, just being comfortable with where I am, what has happened in the past. I don't need to grow anymore. I don't need to advance 
in my Christian life, and as I told the children this morning, growth never needs to stop. Whether we're 18 or 80, we need to continue to grow in the Lord. Stage two is resignation that leads to indifference. Resignation that leads to indifference. So if complacency is the beginning, resignation is the not-so-subtle worsening of the malady. In this second stage, there is a growing unconcern over your spiritual condition or over the condition of your church. The Lord spoke to the people in the book of Amos in chapter 6 in the first verse and in the sixth verse, and he says, Woe, woe. That's always a bad word when you hear it from God. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. That's verse 1. And verse 6 says, Woe to those who are at ease in Zion, to those who have not grieved. They've not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. In other words, they, they don't see or they're unconcerned over the, over the deteriorating spiritual condition of the God's people as a whole. They're not concerned about it. The people of Amos' day were unfazed by the spiritual condition of their nation. They knew they were no longer where they were spiritually, but worse than that, they had not grieved over it. They had resigned themselves to the situation, and as each new day went by, they became more and more indifferent. They were not only complacent, they were indifferent. And this verse in Zephaniah reveals the way God investigates a man's heart. He says, it will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps. The King James uh, uses candles, and of course the light that God uses is the light of his presence, the light of the Holy Spirit, and he shines that light into our lives, revealing the truth about a man's heart. And that diligent search is reminiscent of the woman Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 15, when he says, what woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. So. It's, it is just such a search, just such an investigation that God will make of a man's heart. He will search your heart with his Holy Spirit in an effort to shake you or me out of our complacency and indifference and reveal the true condition of our spiritually stagnant hearts. And he says here, I'll search Jerusalem because this is a verse that speaks to a certain period of time in the history of God's people when they had become spiritually stagnant. And so God said, I'm going to show this up. I'm going to reveal this. You know, if you bring a lamp into a dark room and you're looking for a dime on the floor like that woman was looking for a lost coin, if it's dark, you bring that lamp in, you can see that dime shining on that dark floor. God's going to investigate. He's going to reveal the truth. He's going to reveal the hidden places of every heart. So this is a widespread investigation. It's not just a of one little individual house, it's the whole city, and so God searches the hearts of his people that he might identify and that they might identify what's true about them, that they are indifferent, that they no longer grieve over their sins, that their hearts are no longer tender toward God, they no longer grieve over the spiritual condition of their church, they no longer grieve over the spiritual condition of their nation. 
how many years has it been since you made an honest effort to evaluate your spiritual life, since you said, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any wicked way in me. Can you remember the last time that you were convicted of sin? You, personally, as an individual, that you were convicted of sin and broken at this altar or any altar. Can you recall the last time your church or any church that you attended saw any evidence of God's power? And can you remember the last time that you were in any way concerned about the absence of God's presence or God's power among his people? There might have been a time when that burdened you. There might have been a time when you longed for renewal and revival in your life. There might have been a time when you prayed for it, but it no longer brings grief to your heart. You've accepted things as they are, and how easy it is for us to become indifferent, to say, well, this is the 21st century, and it was this a certain way back then, but now this is the way it is. Let me tell you something. There has never been a time in the history of God's people, in the history of the church, when God wasn't willing and ready to send revival to his church if his church was ready to receive it. If that was the 1500s or the 1700s or the 1800s or the 1950s or today, the problem is not with God. The problem is with the complacency and indifference of God's people. And God says, I'm going to search Jerusalem with lamps. Jerusalem at that point was the dwelling place. It was the central place for God's people, the capital city. I'm going to search it with lamps. And it's not just a physical, political capital city. It's the spiritual center I'm going to search the spiritual center and I'm going to identify those who are stagnant in spirit. Stage one, satisfaction that leads to complacency. Stage two, resignation that leads to indifference. And stage three is doubt or questioning that leads to apostasy. If you take a close look at Zephaniah 1.12, you will notice that those who are described as stagnant in spirit have said in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. The Lord's not going to do anything about this. The Lord is he's not going to act on this. In other words, they've lost their fear of judgment. They began to sin <clears throat> without any concern of ret retribution from God. They don't have any hope of God sending any blessings in uh, the near future, and they have no fear of impending judgment. Doubt plays a larger role in their everyday life than does faith. They become cynical and sarcastic towards spiritual things and spiritual people. They seldom pray because they're no longer sure that God answers. They are skeptical of those who try to be spiritual, concluding that uh, they haven't been believers long enough to be disillusioned. I actually sat in a Sunday school class with a group of men some years ago. We had a man who had gotten saved, 
and was on fire for the Lord, dynamic Christian young man, and those men said to him, it won't be long till your fire goes out. What a thing to say to a vibrant young believer. Thankfully, his fire didn't go out, although theirs had. They were indifferent and complacent and spiritually stagnant. Now, these people whose lives are ruled by doubt and questioning become the scrooge of their Sunday school class. The promises of God are baw and humbug to their heart. They still pray, but spend most of their time wondering if God hears. They read the Bible, but they find more questions than they do answers. They go to church, but they go to church to find fault and not find forgiveness. They've concluded in their hearts that God will not do good or evil. They have serious doubts about the availability of God's blessing, and it's led them to have no fear of punishment for their sin. Therefore, God identifies them as stagnant in spirit. Remember, stagnant means unmoved, long, separate from a time of refreshing. Stagnant means neither cold nor hot. Stagnant is no longer pleasing to Christ. Satisfaction that leads to complacency is the first stage. Resignation that leads to indifference is the second stage. Doubt that leads to questioning is the third stage. And the fourth stage is defilement that leads to discipline. And the discipline I'm talking about is an in-time judgment from God. You ever had one of those in your life? You will, because they come to all of God's people, every one of us. You say, Brother Eddie, what are you saying? I'm saying God will judge you where you sit. He will judge you in your home. He will judge you in your job. He will judge you in your church. He will judge you in your physical life. The Bible tells us that over and over and over. I will send famine. I will send pestilence. I will send darkness. I will send discipline into the lives of my people in order to get their attention. By definition, water that is stagnant has become foul for lack of movement. Even so, a stagnant believer has become foul, dirty, due to a loss of contact with God and the absence of the movement of God's Spirit in their lives. But this is made much worse because they drift into sin. Their hearts no longer checked by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and their heart and life becomes defiled. And what happens then? what happens is right here in this verse God says I will punish them you see that in this verse I will punish them I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish those who are stagnant in spirit what does that mean well one thing it means is that God in his mercy will move to awaken the stagnant believer by bringing discipline into their life by, and, and hopefully leading them to repentance. God's end-time judgments, as a matter of fact, all of God's judgments except final judgments, are redemptive in nature, every one of them. You say, how mean of a God can that be that he would send discipline or judgment into my life? All God's judgments are redemptive. If you read the book of Revelation, you see the judgments, the terrible judgments of God that fall, that, 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 are, that fall to bring men to repentance, but no one in the book of Revelation ever repents. Think about that. Terrible judgments come, but they don't repent. 
because they're hardened, like Pharaoh was in the Old Testament. The judgments of God fell, and he didn't repent. They were all redemptive. When God brings an end-time judgment into a person's life, some kind of difficulty, some kind of discipline, and the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, every son he loves, he disciplines. He does so in a redemptive fashion to bring you to repentance. If they do not repent, like the church at Laodicea, the Lord said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Why? Because God has identified them as stagnant in spirit, unmoved, long, separate from a time of refreshing, foul from a lack of movement, neither cold nor hot, nor pleasing to Christ. Now the good news is there is a road to refreshing. And that's what I want to talk about at this point in time. Can a person who is stagnant in spirit recover the vibrancy and the vitality that they once knew in their spiritual life? Can they experience times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord? First, the road to refreshing begins with an honest evaluation of your spiritual life through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. Through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. That means not you looking at yourself in the mirror, but you looking at yourself in the pages of God's Word under the guidance of the Holy Spirit as you say, God, would you truly show me where I stand with you and what I look like to you. You know, it's always embarrassing when somebody sees something about you that you don't see about yourself. Your shirt is unbuttoned, your pants are unzipped, you've got something on your face, you've got something hanging out of your nose, you didn't see it. But it's there, other people can see it plainly. And there are things that God sees about us that we just can't see until we say, God, will you show me? Ask the Lord to take you on a tour of your life. Ask him how it is that you came to be where you are. And part of the problem will be that you closed your eyes to the truth about your own life. Ask God to show you the truth about how you stand with him. Not long ago, we looked at the book of Nehemiah, uh, the, the city of Jerusalem. Uh, people lived there. They had gone back there. God had sent them back, but they were content to live in a city with broken down walls. And, and they, they didn't notice. They didn't see it. They didn't see the rubble and decay around them. They were just content to live in it like it was. And God sent Nehemiah back, and when Nehemiah saw it, he saw it as God saw it. And the Bible says that Nehemiah sat down and he wept and he mourned for days. He was broken over the spiritual condition of Jerusalem, the physical and spiritual condition of Jerusalem. Usually, when God shows us the true state of our spiritual condition before him, if you are a genuine believer, it brings deep brokenness in your life. Second, you must return to the source of refreshing, and that's God himself. And there offer the sacrifice of a broken heart. In Amos, God condemned those who were at ease in Zion because they had not grieved. They had not grieved. They had not been broken over the spiritual condition of God's people. Did you know that there's a passage of Scripture in Amos where God talks about bringing severe judgment on his people. This is what he says in, Eze I'm, in, I'm sorry, it's in Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4. 
go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men. And this is a good mark, by the way. There's a mark you don't want in the Bible. This is a good mark. Put a mark on the, forehead, <coughs> on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations of, which are being committed in its midst. Does it grieve you to see the condition, the spiritual condition of your community, the spiritual condition of your nation, the spiritual condition of your church? That kind of brokenness is a necessary step on the road to refreshing a broken and a contrite heart. God will not despise. He will honor it with forgiveness and cleansing and refreshing. I remind you that Jesus said to the spiritually stagnant church at Laodicea in the book of Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now today the Lord Jesus knocks at the door of your heart and the Holy Spirit searches you. And the Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 19, Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away and times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord.